The thing that I'm thinking most about this year when I think about autism is where are where are the people are autistics where are they in terms of themselves and how are they taking on the world from their own viewpoint and what does that viewpoint look like and how do we come alongside and support that and how much uh, what when is it uh, when is the support too much was it overcompensation and when it is when is it growth promoting support so that's what I'm thinking about well I think it's so wonderful you're thinking about that and I think that's where we need to be but the path to get people in that mindset particularly where do they need support and where is our support maybe offering to a, a disadvantage do you know what I mean yes I um, I've I mean, this is a topic of conversation that I've had over and over again for many years now. Um, I, I could start with having an assistant in the classroom because sometimes it is necessary. But often what happens is that the least capable person becomes the assistant to the child in the classroom. And that person really doesn't have the skill to help the person become independent of him. And if you think about RDI, we're always asking, how do we create independence? How do we, how do we create a learning situation where we're not always needed? We do it with parents, we do it with trainees who go through our program, and we wanna do it with the children. And so an aid in the classroom may be necessary in the beginning but the sole purpose of that aid should be to work him or herself out of a job. And I always have that in mind when I'm using some kind of a compensatory device. I mean, there are some where, you know, you're going to use them forever and that's just going to be the way it is. I mean, if you literally cannot talk, then you need a soundboard or something. But for the most part, when we think about compensations, we're thinking about them not as long term, but as temporary compensations. And I think even in the workplace, we should be thinking about that. If people are going into the workplace, somebody who has autism and um, is going to be there for a while. I think it's a beautiful way to think. I think, and I'm going to speak, you know, on a difficult subject, I think. I think that can be hard for parents to think about. Well, of course, and I think it can be hard for any professional working uh, with someone on the spectrum to think about. I have to tell you that I think one of the problems that uh, aides in the classroom have is that they fall in love with the kids. Oh. <laughs> I mean, they're so cute and they adore them. And, you know, everything about them is like, oh, let me do it for you. Oh, the teacher said, pick up your pencil. You pick up your pencil. Oh, you're so, you know, so it's not. You're it's, right. It's, <laughs> Man, that just hit me. Yeah. So, so for all of the wrong reasons, you know, for all of the right reasons, they do the wrong thing. Yeah. And they're not thinking. I mean, you can think a child's cute and adore him, but you can also help him grow. And so the question should be, how do I help you know that the teacher is telling you to pick up your pencil and write your name without me saying it again. What are the steps in there for you? 
I think too, and I've thought about this like you for a number of years, I think too, it's, it is well-meaning, but it's also, if I'm that person, it's my job. That's my job is yeah. to be here with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. So I may not be thinking about, as you say so beautifully, working my way out of a job. Mm-hmm. You see? Yeah. And so the issue of training becomes really important because I don't feel this is an area that we give enough thought to. How do we, how do we create independence, not dependence? And are we always focused on where a child's going to be at the age of 21? Or are we thinking about the spelling test? And, you know, if you're thinking about the spelling test, you may not be giving enough thought to where the child's going to be at the age of 21. And what becomes really hard is that it's it's easier to work on a spelling test than it is to keep focused on independence as an adult. So not only does the aide have to be focused on that, so does the teacher. And so do we as professionals, because it's easy to get caught up. It's easy to get caught up in in almost um, like some say the busyness of the day to day Mm -hmm. to start realizing that we don't start thinking of 21 at 19 and a half. Mm -mm. We start thinking of 21 really early. Yeah. And, you know, we think uh, with our typically developing children, um, we do. You know, we think, oh, he looks like he's, he looks like he's got some artistic ability. Let's get him art lessons. Or, you know, I think he might actually want to be a musician. Let's study the piano. So we, we don't often think about it just exactly like that. But we are thinking about the way uh, the the. Um, the way our children are bent and there's a there's a proverb that says train up a child in the way he is bent so you're working you're always thinking about that and then when he's old you know he'll be good at it so kind of a paraphrasing by me but we all know that proverb and I think it's important for us to really keep that in mind because when children are two and a half or three and we're struck that this child has a difference that we're going to have to deal with, we jump in and we look at the difference and we deal with what is on the surface rather than on what's underlying it. One of the things I love about your work is that you look at the children as compared to their typically developing peers as the same. I remember as a child being asked by my mom's friends, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or look, she really loves her animals. Maybe she wants to work with animals. I remember those conversations swirling around me. It wasn't yeah. the sole focus of their conversation, yeah. but it would come up really yeah. young, Dr. Sheely. Very young, very young. I remember those conversations too. And I even remember being in school when my school teachers would say, I hope one of you will be a teacher when you grow you know and I still remember that I was I became a teacher I taught for 10 years and I went back to see her and I said I'm a teacher (laughs) you're a teacher but we do you know we envision we envision what we what we think our children are good at what we want them to be we have our dreams for them and so when we think about the field of autism one of the things I like to say to parents Whatever your dream was, that's still your dream. 
that dream doesn't need to change. You may be getting there a little bit differently, but that dream can stay the same. And you may, I, I tell them you may be getting there at a different time, but the dream mm -hmm. can stay the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. time, time sometimes to me is one of our biggest obstacles because mm -hmm. people tend to have these benchmarks of when things will happen. And one of the things I love about RDI is that we say, this doesn't have to happen at 21. This could happen at the ripe old age of 21, as I always say. You know, life is, is longer than that and richer than that. Yeah. Yeah, I think those benchmarks are hard. I think they're also hard because um, parents have friends whose children are doing things maybe a little bit earlier. And so, you know, they, they begin to worry. They have that anxiety about it. But it is true. You can, I don't care if you do it at 25 or 30, as long as your feet are going where they need to go and you're making the progress, don't worry about the age. Mm 